Welcome to Ramdas Here and Now. I'm Raghu Marcus, and I'm the host of this pretty wonderful podcast that we're doing. I'm enjoying it. And I, I'm getting lots of uh, feedback from from everyone, and uh, that's a pretty warm experience, and I appreciate everything. Um, sharing this, you know, wonderful legacy uh, that Ramdas has created over all these years, that you know turned us on at the time, and it's great, to, you know, to have new people get turned on. There's nothing more fun than that. Let me tell you. So uh, I think I mentioned in the last podcast that uh, we found this uh, trove of unreleased uh, uh, tapes, uh, Be Here Now, from the Be Here Now days, really. And many of them comprise what is now that book. Um, And many of them actually aren't used at all in the book, but they're part of the fabric of what Ramdas was trying to transmit, did transmit back in the day. Um, he's talking more about, you know, in last week's uh, podcast, there was a lot about uh, meditation. I think it was a really constructive uh, thing to share because that is such a basic thing that allows us to breathe a little bit easier, certainly some kind of regular meditation practice. And this in particular, this one that he described, which was Vipassana or insight meditation, focusing on the concentration part, which was following your breath, is especially effective, I believe. Um, And anyhow, he talks more about uh, meditation and just dealing with thoughts and so on and so forth. And uh, I don't know how this came about, uh, because when you listen, you'll hear it. But um, a bunch of soldiers came to see Maharaji or traveling up through the mountains. So they stopped at the ashram. And this happened many times while we were there as well. And they come and they pranam, they bow down and they pay their respects to the saint. And... um, this so Ramdas is going to tell the story, and of course I'm not going to go try and for a second try and match his gift here, but it is incredible because Maharaji puts one of these soldiers into samadhi, into um, a trance state where he was bowled over and nothing, you know, he was like just pushed over to the side, and nothing would happen. He was still in, completely uh, in this state, which. You know, we had that experience as well. In fact, when we first got there, a couple of us were in the room. They had just arrived, two women actually. And uh, they were in the room with Maharaji and one other person. His name is K.C. Tuari, who also was, a. I mentioned uh, Dada Mukherjee, who was our, a mentor of ours and a great being. And so was this man, K.C. Tuari. And Tuari, though, used to be one of the examples that Mah- of Maharaji's people that he would just glance at him or tap him on the head and he'd go completely, utterly rigid, you know, into an altered state where he was not aware of his body or anything around in a trance state. In Hindi, it's called samadhi. So, 
he put him into samadhi in front of these two, I mean, you're talking about, you know, mid-twenties, uh, early-twenties American women who Ramdas had turned on. They had gone to India and were ready for anything, but were completely naive about everything, except maybe reading about it in a book. And then suddenly see whack, he hits him on the head and Tuari goes completely stiff. And Maharaji said, well, what's what happened to him? <laughs> they go, well, he seems to be in samadhi in a trance. Oh, really? Would you like to do that? Oh, God, yeah, please, they said, you know. So he would tease us with these things. And um, um, one other time that I remember, we were in this uh, his ashram in Brindavan, which is near the Taj Mahal. And uh, we were sitting around him, you know, I don't know, there may have been 10 or 12 of us. Um, and we were sitting with one of the translators who was, uh, again, one of his other samadhi uh, people. Uh, he tapped him on the head and um, his name was Gurudat Sharma, wonderful man, and tapped him on the head. And then he's gone, standing up. So Maharaji says, "Get all right, get a couple of people, hold them up, and then let them down now. And they let him down. And he was stiff like a board, but straight out. He wasn't in a, you know, in a cross-legged position or anything. And Maharaji said, okay, pick him up. It took four guys. The guy weighed like 2,000 pounds. It took four or five guys, literally. To, he said, take him in that room. And he took him in that room and... uh Maharaji went in the room and then suddenly you heard slap, bang, God, all kinds of God awful sounds like he was smacking him around to get him back and he, then he stumbled out of the room. So these things happen quite often. They weren't that, I mean, this would happen with various people, but there'd be a couple of people that were all, you know, obviously they had the karma to just absolutely you know, the body could stand going into this incredible state. Um, pretty interesting stuff. And uh, this was our day-to-day -day with this being. Um, so let's just move right on here to this second half of Ramdas talking about meditation and you know, and, and dealing with the mind, uh, as he says, who would have thought that you're not your rational mind? Who would have thought that that's a reality? And this is one of the most important initial things that he brought to the West. There is another way. You are not your rational mind. And he had the substance uh, behind it. So here it is, Ramdas, here and now. When the I-thought goes, the I-thought and the breath are one and the same thing. They are the last things to go. The last things to go. So when you give up the I-thought and go into this place, you go through the doorway at that point. This is where you go through the doorway. You go into your Atman. At that point, your breath becomes very, very, very shallow. I recall my guru was... a. Uh, sitting one day having darshan and um, uh, uh, many trucks of soldiers came by, stopped and the soldiers all came out to come up and touch the guru's feet. 
They did the whole thing. And one guy, for some reason, which I didn't understand, but the guru obviously did, something about the guy's karma or something about what maybe demonstrates, I don't know. It was, it was at all levels appropriate, apparently. He said to this guy, come here, sit down here. He said, um, you've been fighting with your commanding officer. Oh, yes, Maharaji. Oh, I'm sorry, Maharaji. Because he does that all the time. He knows it all. It really blows your mind when he keeps doing that. Somebody will come and say, will I get that promotion? And he said, no. <laughs> and the guy won't get the promotion just because he knows. He knows where, well, I'll tell you about that later. Tell you what it's like on the other side of the doorway afterwards. You've got to get there first. You mustn't rush ahead. All right, so then he says to the soldier, sit down. Soldier sits down, and he reaches over and he touches the soldier in the knee, and the soldier goes into samadhi. It's like that. So I look, guy's sitting right next to me, and his eyes are turned up, and he was just sitting there talking, and suddenly, boom, and he's like, Whoa. the guru says, push him. Well, I you know, can't push another guy, you don't know. Push him, push him, push him, push him. <laughs> okay. I push him, it's like a rock, nothing, you know. Oh, push him. So I push him, he rolls over, he stays completely like, like, like he's a rock. So he says to one of the uh, people, uh, bring a mirror, bring a mirror. Bring a mirror. Gives it to me. He says, this is all demonstration for me. He says, put it under his nose. Under his nose. No breath. <laughs> So he says, what do you see? What do you see? I, said, I don't see anything. Is he dead? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Any pulse? No pulse. Dead. Mm. He smiles, touches the guy and goes, thank you, Maharaji. Thank you, Maharaji. The guy walks out. What do you see it was all about? A lot of nutty stuff. Oriental fakery. <laughs> Snakes and ropes and things like that. You know, well, that's all that. <laughs> they were in cahoots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so far out. So much farther out than you even think it is. That's what's so far out of us. No matter how far out you get, it's never as far as this thing really is. That's what, what, well, I can't begin. I can't even begin. I am not this thought. Who would have ever thought you weren't your rational mind? Who would have ever thought it? The way it's described, certainly your rational mind didn't think it. I lectured at Harvard a few weeks ago, and a guy says to me, about 11, you know, I started at 7, and it was like 11.30, so one guy says to me, what makes you think your system's any better than my system? He said with his rational mind. <laughs> and I can't answer him. No answer. No answer. Because what I am talking about, in order to understand what the guru did when he did that, and I'll explain it to you, <laughs> what he did when he did it, you cannot really totally comprehend it with your rational mind, no matter how hard you try. Because it's it's a meta system, if you will. But if you can say, I am not my thought, and know it, and go behind your own thought process, 
then you know. Then no words in essence. Ramakrishna, I think it's Ramakrishna, says that the whole situation, I don't know, maybe Vivekananda, it says the whole situation is like a horse and a carriage, and the horses are your desires, and the road is your sense object. And the reins are your ego, and your the coachman is your rational mind. And all the time, you've only been born once. The coachman is like merrily running along, and he really is just like um, the chauffeur who has the who drives a Cadillac, and the woman says, "Take the evening off, and you keep the car." So he goes home and he takes off his cap and he puts on a suit and he gets his wife in the car and they go out riding in the Cadillac. And for all the world, they feel like they are Cadillac owners. They appear. Well, that's the coachman's trip. He's doing his thing. He's really running the show. He's Herman Kahn, the, the, the essence of the super rational. And then at some point along the way, the little visor is open, and the guy back in the coach, who nobody has heard from, reaches forward and says, okay, enough, you've had it. You work for me. In fact, this coach and you and everything is mine. And you're only even getting this freedom to do this because of the reflected light from me anyway. And I've decided to, to take over the show now. Thank you very much. You've been very helpful. It's like the interesting problem of why no matter how much we, we ablate or, or um, implant electrodes in the brain, we get lots of things about thought, but we never get close to what's called awareness or consciousness because the brain is really a response mechanism. It's a servant but we have elevated it to a, the penultimate position. So the guy in the coach says, I'm taking over. That's the Atman. And your mind then becomes the servant rather than the master. A realized being's mind is absolutely empty. Absolutely. It scared me at first. I'm not a realized being by a long, long shot. But nevertheless, as you do this work, your mind gets emptier and emptier. The student gains by daily increment the way of law, the way of gain by daily law. Loss upon loss until at last comes ready. So there you are, you're suddenly walking down the street and you notice you're not thinking anything. Your mind's completely empty. Well, it's like um, it's like a taxi with a, with you know that doesn't have a meter, it doesn't have a fare. You're not doing productive work, you're not doing anything. Your mind's empty. When there is a call for your thought to think something, then it's available. When the water needs to flow downstream, it flows downstream. Until then, it doesn't flow downstream. It doesn't just keep running on and on and on and on and on because you don't know how to turn it off. The problem is, when Gurdjieff talks about us all being machined, he's really right. We are completely at the whim of the horses and the reins and the driver and now think this, hear that noise, what's that? Oh my goodness. 
just watch a person going from whim to whim, from thought to thought. Oh, this itch. Oh, this thought. Now the plan. I got a plan for the future. What was that? Are you all right? What's happening? Oh, look at the flowers. Aren't they beautiful? Oh, smelling. Oh, I feel so good. Wow. On and on and on and on and on. You know how many years we've all been doing this? <laughs> Just a runaway driver. And giddy up. Let's go. When the way rules, coach horses fertilize the field. When the way is lost, war horses breed in the parks, the Book of Tao says. When one is in the way, there is nowhere to go. There's nothing to think about. As I'm going to show you in a minute, nothing to think about. So there's nowhere to go. So the horses have no carriages to pull. So they're all sitting in the field, just doing their thing, fertilizing. When the way is lost, war horses breed in the parks. Nobody's at rest. Everything's moving. That ends up contentment once found. What is the samadhi all about? When you get through that doorway, what is that like? What does it feel like? What would it look like? What would it smell like? What does it mean to be sightless, fingerless, neckless, tongueless, and tryingless, tryingless? What would it be like? What is it like to be the guru? I'd like to be this guy sitting with a blanket up in the Himalayas. What is his life like? What does he feel like inside? Well, you've got to understand, first of all, that he lived outside of time and outside of space. That's an interesting one to work with. Let me see if I can tell you about what it means to live outside of space, out of time, rather. What do you see? I'll read you what it says in the paper before I do the example. It says, to him that hath shall be given. And it says, awakening consciousness attained in even a small degree will help us notably in our context. That means once you start to see through the game, you will get it all. To him that hath shall be given. That's what that meant, if you ever wondered about it. There are all those weird lines in the Bible that you never understand until you finally understand it all. <laughs> then it was all obvious. Okay, what do you see? You see, I, I'll, I'll tell you what you see. You see a pen sticking through a piece of paper. Now, if you will imagine for a moment that you are a, the reason you see that is because you see three dimensions. The breadth, length, height. Now imagine for a moment you're a two-dimensional being. You are a paper being. You're part of this piece of paper. So you only see length and width. That's all you're capable of seeing. You're, you're part of this paper. That's all you see is length and width. Now, what do you see? Anybody want to hazard a guess? You see a pen through a piece of paper? Well, you see a paper and you see a round black thing in the middle, like a flat round coin or disc. Can't have any dimension because you can't see the dimension. And if, if the pencil had a point and it came in through the paper, you would see a little thing getting bigger and bigger like a puddle. But if I said to you, you are now a two-dimensional being, being with two-dimensional senses, I'd say, you know what that is? That's a pen going through a piece of paper. You'd say, you are nuts. 
no pen going through a piece of paper. That's a black circle in the middle of a piece of paper. You understand the example? Huh? Anybody doesn't see this part? Okay. Now, if you are the guru, this pen is time. In other words, he sees in the fourth dimension. You are a paper being. You see only in three dimensions. In other words, now it's here, now it's here, and now it's here. He sees all that at once. In fact, everything is to him like a solid. Time exists, past, present, and future. What appears as accident to us, you know, why that puddle getting bigger and bigger? And he's saying, oh, it's a pen passing through paper. How did you know that? Well, I just see it. There's the future, there's the past, the puddle is the present. We see only the puddle. He sees that and he sees that too. How does he do that? I mean, if he really does it, I mean, maybe I'm just putting you on, but let's say he really does it. For a moment, set aside all your skepticism and accept the fact that I'm telling you the truth. I mean, he really does it. He really knows the future. I mean, is this cat that really knows? What about all that stuff that's called accident? No, no accident. He really knows the future. And he really knows the past. I mean, I, when I was passing through, passing through India on the way before I had met the guru, um, David and I decided we met some very lovely girls and we decided to take a horseback trip up to um, Amarnath Cave, a very holy cave. And it was up at about 13,000 feet and we went for about three days and we had, it was very first class the way we did it because David had much money. So we had 10 boys carrying bags and leading ponies and tents set up and brandy for dinner. And, you know, I mean, we were sadhus really on a tough trip. <laughs> and we would meet these sadhus along the way and we'd share a pipe with them, chill them, a hashish. And we went over ice caps and it was cold and we were very cold and we were very, it was melodramatic. Took beautiful pictures, photographs, colored photographs. And finally we got to this cave after many days of walking. And all I saw was a big cave. It was interesting because there was a lingam in it, which is a phallus, which is made of ice. And as the moon changes each month, the phallus gets smaller or larger. And certain seasons, it's very large or very small, and those are symbolic seasons. And this natural lingam that changes and this cave, which is a big square hole in the rock, way, way, way up back in, is supposedly left over from the last yuga. That is, it's very old. So I went all the way up there, and I looked, and wow, it was beautiful, but it was raining, and it was cold, and after we looked for a little while, well, that's interesting. Now why don't we turn around and go back, okay? Okay, let's go. That's been lovely. Yes, it's been great. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. Let's take some more pictures. Right. Got them? Okay, let's go. All set? Everybody ready? Button up your raincoat. Here we go. Five months later, I am sitting one day with my guru, who is like, oh, 300 miles away from that, and always sits in this sort of same place, never moves. And we're sitting there one day quietly, and he says to me, um, you went to visit Amarnath Cave. Acha, yeah, Acha. 
long trip, Acha, to Kwasi, Acha. But you didn't understand it, did you? Nothing. Nothing? No. Sorry. Sorry. Pat me on the head. This podcast is brought to you by the Love Serve Remember Foundation and Ramdas.org. We appreciate you listening and we appreciate all the support that you've given us. Please continue that support and donate at Ramdas.org. We can then continue to share what Ramdas has been sharing for all of these years. Thank you.